0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with yet another Tim May podcast and joined as usual in the cockpit of this uh, really this high performance airplane by Awesome Ward. Awesome.
2: Welcome once again to the Tim May podcast. It's a pleasure to be here Uh, and great last week to be back in a real airplane and Traveling around with Berm and, and then to make it safely back home to get here to talk to you about some football. I can't ask for more, man. Yeah. I was going
1: to say my wife and I flew down to Houston and back, uh, on Southwest airlines a couple of weeks ago for a, a reenactment of my, uh, one of my nephew's, uh, wedding, uh, that he had, he had had the year before and that plane was packed to the gills. And, uh,
2: <clears throat> I don't know what other airlines everybody else is flying, but it seems like a lot of them are flying Southwest, right? <laughs> yeah. And, um, You know, I think they could start uh, giving us more than four drink options, but yeah, you know, uh,
1: that is funny. That is, that is funny. You're right.
2: And stop uh, uh, worrying about where everybody is standing to get on the plane when um, we're crammed in six inches away from people and every seat is filled. But you know what, like I said, like I told you the other day, uh, you know, with people around Texas and the football, you know, football practices and hitting and, if last week kind of felt like there was a lot of progress being made, it felt a little more normal. And, you know, we know that, uh, you know, June 2nd is looming here and we can maybe feel that uh, in this Buckeye state, but yeah. um, I, you know, you and I both got the shot. I feel like things are starting to trend in that right direction. And as you said, um, when we talked on Thursday, Gene Smith is now expecting that they can, they can maybe have that baby completely filled uh, for the Oregon game in September, the home opener, which would really be something after everything we've been through. Uh, I don't care if you played that game at six in the morning; it would be completely packed, and the atmosphere would be incredible. And yeah, uh, I hope we get to see that.
1: Yeah, that's why I asked Gene Smith that question on, the, on that video conference, which otherwise for was for you know I don't know what we call that masseuse gate. You know, uh, I mean, I mean, sure, there's a gate involved, but yeah. uh, but I digress because I <laughs> I think that was the more noteworthy thing from that press conference. But I digress. Yeah. Uh, you know, since then, I've had a chance uh, to uh, – we didn't talk about this either, but I had a chance to talk to G. Scott Sr., the uh, father of G. Scott Jr., who, as we know, that was as big a news as anything else in the spring, in my opinion, was a movement of him, of G. Scott Jr., from uh, wide receiver to tight end. And, and as G. Scott Sr. points out in my interview, I mean, you know, he basically he's all for it. And uh, so is G. Scott Jr. Matter of fact, a, Get the impression that was their idea, or at least G. Scott Jr.'s idea. And in uh, G. Scott Seniors, he points out in the interview, received some guidance from Richard Sherman, among others, about how, you know, this is an evolving football, college football offenses are evolving as we speak. And it's all about the mismatches, as you well know, and creating creating space in the mismatches. And uh, a G. Scott, uh, G. Scott Jr., now up over 220 pounds. At a tight end spot, and you know, we use tight end loosely anymore too. Pardon that pun, yeah. because you know, one minute a tight end can be right up on the line like a like the old days, and can be in the slot. The next can be a can be in the backfield, can be in motion, can, you know, doing all kinds of things. We've seen that evolve over the last ten years, especially uh, with Ohio State football under Urban Meyer and Ryan Day. And so <clears throat> that's just a euphemism almost for getting another big guy on the field who can create a mismatch. Uh, especially in the passing game, and you know, like you, like you and I talked about before. I mean, this is probably good news. Uh, that move was good news in terms of getting G. Scott on the field and what otherwise was going to be a crowded wide receiver room.
2: Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to go overboard with this because G. Scott Jr. was a little bit limited throughout spring. So maybe, Correct. maybe we would have talked more uh, about this move if he'd been fully healthy and able to make a chance. But one thing that I know Brian Hartline loved when he had. Uh, you know, G, G Scott jr. In his room last year when he arrived was that he was such a willing blocker. Um, you know, he, he was probably the most physically imposing of those four that were in that class right up there with Julian Fleming, but um, you know, willing to do that dirty work to do whatever it takes and understanding that that was going to be part of his role. And, and I say that because, you know, when Jeremy Rucker or Joe Royer arrived, you could, you know, they were skinnier dudes, uh, you know, not true tight end. Certainly we've made a, we've talked ad nauseum about Jeremy Ruckert's transition to becoming that all around tight end. I think that G Scott may have a, a better, maybe not better chance, maybe, maybe just a better understanding yeah. um, of what that will take and what that entails. At least, you know, making that move that's, it's probably not fair to even look at it that way because it's not like Jeremy Ruckert never had to do that or didn't understand that was part of his role. But I just think that I only say that to bring up the chance that I think that can really work for G. Scott because that was always part of his game in the first place.
1: Yeah. And then like, like I point out, you know, we'll get to the interview here and just real quickly, I don't want to keep uh, giving out the nuggets of the interview <laughs> before we actually have it. But, but the bottom line is, man, that's, that's the, you know, that's the cool thing about, I think players, and I think it's going on a lot of places in the country now, but I mean, you got Ryan Day sitting there figuring out new ways to do stuff. I mean, uh, uh, ways to get people involved, I mean, even in the offense. You know, when you've got like three or four tight ends and you can play them all, but they all have a little bit of a different role, uh, not only only does that give you depth and uh, versatility, but it keeps people happy, you know. It keeps people happy in your roster. They're going to play five or six wide receivers. I mean, you can see it coming. Why wouldn't they, you know? I mean – If Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't catch about three or four passes in the opener at Minnesota, I'll be stunned. I mean, we all saw what he's all about, but look at the guys he's competing with to get on the field this year. And uh that's what's interesting, but you keep people involved. But but the other thing is you just keep the you just keep the pages moving. You keep flipping pages on what you can do offensively, and it makes you that much that much tougher. Not necessarily. Not, not not just to deal with, but to prepare for. And I think that's his part as much a part of it as he thing. You
2: agree, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, you look at somebody with his recruiting profile that, that growing up around, you know, success, understanding what that takes. If I think that they, they Ohio State has a bunch of players that accept coaching. So if yeah. if Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day tell you that this is probably how you can get to the NFL, well, there's enough evidence that Ohio State. You're going to compete for championships, and you have, we've talked about the last several weeks, this pile of draft picks. So I don't think that – you know, it it doesn't work to everybody, right? Jamison Williams just left and, you know, maybe didn't listen to some of the feedback he got from Brian Hartline. But, uh, you know, by and large, a lot of these guys are listening to that, and if it means a position change or a different role, they're open to doing that. I I think G. Scott is a perfect example of, like, you could go somewhere else and be a starting wide receiver, almost anywhere else, you know, uh, maybe four or five – programs in the country where he wouldn't just go automatically be a starter. But, you know, that's not the case at Ohio State. Well, do you want to go play at a lesser level? If you do you not want to be in the college football playoff? Uh, are you going to take a chance that you know what's best for you to get to the NFL as opposed to what other people might tell you, which in this case also includes uh, Richard Sherman and, you know, conversations with his family? I, I just think he's a good example of what's going on right now, uh, why Ohio State doesn't have a tremendous amount of activity going in or out of the portal. Yeah, he's also a good example of the BS that floats around
1: (laughs) sometimes because as his dad points out, you know, this idea that he was going to – that he would be next in line to transfer and stuff, just kind of like, what are you talking – that person has no idea, you know, about G. Scott Jr. and what he's really thinking, you know. And we all know – and, you know, he also gives his opinion on what happened with Justin Fields during the draft buildup. And things like that, and you got to remember, G. Scott Senior is in uh, is in is is in sort of our business. I mean, he hosts a news talk show with Ursula in uh, uh, G. and Ursula in in Seattle every day. Matter of fact, he was prepping for it while we were uh, while we were getting ready to have our little uh, conversation. So you know what? Forget forget all the buildup. Without any further ado, let's get to my conversation with G. Scott Senior, as promised, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, G. Scott G. G Scott Sr., or is it Senior G? Help me out here. It's Senior. It's yeah. Senior. <laughs> I was going to say there's a G Junior, and everybody knows who yeah. G Junior is, the new budding, Absolutely. the new budding tight end for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, hey, let's just jump right in, it, G. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while, man. Uh, you know, you're the host of a, a radio show out in Seattle called The G and Ursula Show. I think it's what, on 97.3 uh, K I R O in Seattle. And, um, So you're used to talking a little bit. but I think you and Ursula pretty much uh, do news talk, right, give opinions about things that are happening around the world. Let's face it, a lot of of mess has been happening around the world to to comment on. But uh, I wanted to get get your comment on, you know, the move of G. Scott Jr. to tight end uh, in the
0: spring and stuff. And just how did that sit with you and him? Well, the idea, well, first of all, Tim, thanks a lot for having me on. Oh, man. sure, man. I, I really, didn't give you that chance. Really, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, it's all right, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you having me. Um, the idea came from uh, Richard Sherman. That's where the idea came from. Uh, he, Richard Sherman had talked about it, and he had talked about it a few times. Well, one afternoon, Sherman and I, would go to lunch all the time, and we're at lunch, And he said, I'm trying to tell you, you got to listen to what I'm telling you. The NFL game is changing. The game of football is changing. It's hard for people to talk about something that they have not seen yet. Right. Yes. So he started talking about the evolution of the player and how the wide receiver is is becoming faster and moving. So for an example, if you and I were talking right now uh on your show right here, if we were talking 10, 12 years ago, the prototypical wide receiver that everyone's looking for is Calvin Johnson, right? 6-4. Yes. But here we are, we're talking today on on your on your show and for some reason Tyreek Hill plays the same position as Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Explain that. Yeah. Well, that is just another example of what you are seeing with the game. One more example before I go back into the point that Sharon was making. We just recently heard what Urban Meyer is doing at Jacksonville with their new running back, having yeah. him do wide receiver drills. Why? Because the days of a running back not being able to catch a football – that is going to go in the past. You need the Alvin Kamara-type threat in, in your backfield. Well, all Richard Sherman was saying is, is most of the time, because I said what most Buckeye fans said when you have probably heard about G. Scott Jr. moving to tight end. You probably said, well, how much does he weigh, right? Yeah. Everybody yeah. wants to know how much does he weigh. Yeah, how much does Steph Curry weigh, yeah. right? When yeah. you start talking about weight, you start talking about 40 times, you start talking about dimensions. Nobody nobody talks about what Jerry Rice ran in a 40. Nobody, t- right? Like all right. those things are just... They're just there, right? It's like you need a resume, and you need to have graduated from this school. But just because you graduated from this school doesn't mean you're going to be good at this job. So to go back to the point is, I kept saying, "Well, what about his weight?" Well, the thing is, with G. Scott Jr. is, is his weight. I mean, he was trying to fight there and stay at two hundred five. And you, you guys probably heard the sound bike about no. the cheeseburger and everything like that. Well, hey. It's kind of true, right? Um, right now, he's uh, he's he's moving right now. I mean, he's, he's already above 220 right now at this time, but it's not about the way. So I'm excited about him getting to this role. I'm excited about uh, him having the opportunity to lo- learn from Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson is someone uh, who, I mean, in the college football world, who has a big name, who's very known very known to especially teaching of blocking, considering the offensive line uh, background that he has. Yeah. So to be able to get that, because I, I believe that G Jr. Is already knows how to be a route runner, right? Yeah. Like he knows how to be a route runner. And so, and so what he's going to have to be good at is, is he's going to have to learn more and get better at blocking. What does that mean? That means that sometimes you're going to have to take on that tight end. I mean, excuse me, that defensive end. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to have to take on that bigger linebacker. But at the same time, you're also going to have a chance where you have that mismatch problem at linebacker. So all in all, we're, I'm excited for him because when I gave G. Jr. the recommendation from Richard Sherman, it was something that he slept on, and then he took it to his coaches. And that's the beauty, beauty in this. all this is that G. Jr. is – He's a young man now. He's an adult. So all of these decisions, they have to be his. And I think that he took those uh, that decision, he took it to, to his coaches, and they were all for it. Yeah.
1: And, you know, what we're leading to here, G, I mean, I'm, I love how we just jumped into this because, you know, football is always evolving. Sometimes it kind of goes backwards a little bit. But here's the thing. We're talking about G. Scott Jr. And we're talking about tight end. But we're just using tight end almost as a euphemism because – really the way teams, especially Ohio State, are using their what I call their second tight end on occasion. You know, I'm talking about a, a flanker kind of guy, a guy who gets into the slot and stuff. Well, you're calling him a tight end because he meets in the tight end room. But, you know, one of these days, all of those guys are going to be in the wide receiver room or vice versa, you know, the receiver room. And you're exactly right. And, and it's all about creating mismatches. And like you just pointed out, there are going to be times when G, Scott Jr. gets on the field this year and he's going to be running around against a linebacker or somebody, and it's going to be a mismatch. And that's what Ohio State, that's what, that's what Kevin Wilson, that's what Ryan Day, they live off of that kind of stuff. And uh, you can envision that too, right?
0: No question. Um, there's a very genius coach in the NFL was actually doing it first. Uh, I've actually gone through and watched some old stuff of the New England Patriots when they had their tight ends, right? Yeah. <laughs> As they were doing their thing and they were, they had two of them out there on the field. So they were kind of already doing it yeah. Well, here pretty soon. You're going to start to see more of it, you know, and people say, well, well, what's another example of the game changing? Well, who are the top fullbacks in the NFL right now? Yeah. Case in point. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. the game is starting to change.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting about Ohio State. With Kevin Wilson occasionally, they'll put a tight end back there and actually at fullback just barely. But but the tight end, a lot of times the second tight end is the fullback in the formation, even though he doesn't line up at fullback. He is the lead blocker on occasion. You know, when they do, quote, quote unquote, an ISO play or something like that, which is rare, but, you know, in zone blocking schemes, et cetera. But it is amazing how they still rob Peter to pay Paul, but they won't admit they have – a fullback it's just this other player you know playing another position yeah you're right I mean and the great thing about it is this is why I would think you were pretty probably really excited when G just opted to go to Ohio State is you know Ryan Day is right on the cutting edge of a lot of things offensively with obviously with the aid of Kevin Wilson etc do you do you sense that too about Ohio State's offense
0: or just what's your take on that (laughs) You, you know that's a great question Tim and If I answered that question a year ago, right, and we all know what we've been going through during this pandemic, I would have answered that question by saying, sure, I love Coach Ryan Day cutting edge when it comes to offensive minds. He is someone that you consider one of the top minds in college football, no doubt about it. But now we are a year later, and and that answer – or the question you just asked me, the answer I give you is a little deeper than the offense. Hmm. And I think that what Coach Ryan Day does for this team, for this program, and in particularly for my son, Ryan Day is a leader of men. You see, I've been around the NFL for 18 years. I've seen the best of the best. I was there when Russell got there and Richard Sherman got there and Cam Chancellor got there and Earl Thomas. I've seen the best of the best. Yeah. And if there's one thing that I've learned, the most successful football players, what you don't see is what makes them great. And that's off the field, right? What you see on the field, if they're playing football at the shoe, you're at the shoe for what? Three hours. That's three hours of competition. You don't see what goes in before that. That's what Ryan Day is a master at, is a master at developing men. So when I see developed here on Twitter, when I see developed here, most people probably think, yeah, he got bigger, stronger, faster. Shout out to Coach Mick. We all know what he does. Yeah. But when I think developed here, I think about what the Buckeyes do as far as developing the young man. That is the deep part about that. And so to wrap that up, and I didn't mean to bore you guys. No, that's, that's great. My answer yeah, is what I'm trying to tell you is this, this offense, this football, it come, it'll come and go yeah. one day. It's gone. But in order to be the best football player that you can, you gotta be the best man that you can. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Being the man relates to being the great football player.
1: Yeah. You know, and this is what's interesting. You're what? Three thousand miles away as the crow flies or as the big plane flies. I mean, how far away are you?
0: Yeah. like Twenty five hundred. I hear you out of Washington.
1: Yeah. You got a lot of yeah. frequent flyer miles, I'm sure, building up. Well, not last year, maybe. But you know where I'm going. I <laughs> right. mean,
0: right.
1: You, you know, you, you you know, your son picks Ohio State. I'm sure you were in on the decision. But mm-hmm. that's a long way away, man, to trust men with, with taking care greatest,
0: of your son in all kinds of ways. Uh, was, I, was that reinforced? Really? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, my gosh. It's the greatest decision that he has ever made, being a Buckeye. Wow. You know, it's, it's interesting, right? Um, yeah. I, I have to admit, there has been – I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen it online. And they say things like, well, G. Scott, Jr. is probably the next to transfer. And and it's tough to see that, because in all fairness, if you knew the story, or if you even knew G. Scott, Jr., you would realize that that's something that you probably wouldn't think of, you wouldn't say. Most people would say, well, why would he not transfer? Uh, because he didn't get the playing time. Well. How many people do we remember how they did as a freshman in college, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so um, G. Scott Jr., my son, he got to go to a national championship game. He got to be a part of that. And if you don't think that there was excitement that, that my son was able to even get on the field and be in the game, like a lot of times kids and families dream of those opportunities yeah. just dream of them so to have that happen reinforced the idea that he wants to continue to be there and be a part of the program and to get better and man has he he's night and day like he's yeah. changed so much tim over yeah. the last year because of being a part of his program
1: Hey, uh, you know, when you look at uh, Brian Hartline, you look at Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day, like you just pointed out, uh, you know, how would you describe uh, Kevin? We talked about Kevin a little bit and Brian, you know, Brian helped recruit him, et cetera. <laughs> uh, how do? You, how would you describe those two guys? You've already talked about Ryan. I mean, a builder of men, a developer of men who happened to play football, you know, and Kevin and Brian, do you, I mean, Brian Hartline played in the league for what, 10, 12 years, whatever it was, was at Ohio State before that. He understands the – the ups and downs, the pitfalls of the game, on and, off the, on and off the field, et cetera. I mean, it is kind of hard to imagine where you could go where you would get a better better exposure for your son, I'm talking about to people who have been there, done that, than those guys, right? I mean, I'm not trying to get you to do an ad for Ohio State. There's some places you go where you might get the same, but probably no place better than that, right? I mean, of guys who can teach you along the way of what's coming, much less what what just happened, you know?
0: So I think Brian Hartline, I think that uh, he gets all, you know, everybody knows who Brian Hartline is, right? Like, you know, Brian Hartline, superstar recruiter, wide receiver coach and all of that. You you know, I want to take this time to talk about the, I call him the unknown. I call coach Kevin Wilson, the unknown. And I do that on purpose. And it's kind of funny because everything that I know about Kevin Wilson is through my son. Right. Yeah. Like you don't really, how many times you pop on Twitter, you don't pop on Twitter and you don't really hear about Kevin Wilson. But if you look and you research Kevin Wilson, you see, like, whoa, this dude, this dude's got a pedigree a little bit, right? You start yeah. seeing all of the tight ends that have gone through him and what has, what's his track record of tight ends coming into the program and going to the next level? You're like, whoa. And so I asked my son, and I, I hope I'm okay telling the story, but. I don't think Kevin Wilson, anybody will mine. So I asked my son, I'm like, Hey, what's this, what's this coach Kevin Wilson like? And he's like, he's tough. I said, what? He said, he's tough. So let me give you an example. So one of the first days that my son gets ready to go into the tight end room, I guess they had had some kind of something that happened out in uh, indoor uh, on indoor field. And after they were done, they were supposed to get ready to go into the meeting room and my son was kind of he said he was just doing his normal kind of lollygagging a little bit and he'll kind of he'll kind of walk in and stroll in and he strolls in kind of too many seconds too late if you will uh-huh and there was kind of a sternness from coach Kevin Wilson and so it was right then that a precedent was set with my son where he's like uh-oh <laughs> right yeah. and i think i i think that um That part of it, like, I think that is the beauty of what Coach Ryan Day has assembled with the coaching staff. Right. And it's for the coaching staff. They might be different, but they're all on the same page. And that's phenomenal. Right. And so the what's being taught in these rooms, because, Tim, let's be real. We can sit here and talk great about Ryan Day till we blew in the face. But if what's being taught in those rooms, uh, if that isn't being taught the right way, then you don't get the development. So I I can't say enough
1: about coaches. I was going to say, I want to go back to something real quick before I move on to something, you know, about people talking about people, (laughs) you know. uh, But uh, uh, when you you had your conversation with Richard Sherman and he's talking about how, you know, uh, about G and stuff and about this move. And things, uh, he's seeing it from his perspective, right? Of what's tough to cover out there, what what what's what's the evolution offensively that's going to make it even tougher on defenses, right? I mean, that's real
0: eye-opening for you, right? I mean, I would
1: I would think that's pretty cool.
0: Richard Sherman explains football. It <laughs> I talk about it on Twitter all the time. He makes it so simple when he talks about it, but In that conversation, when he was talking about uh, the move to tight end, he was explaining about, of course, his teammate, George Kittles, and what he does on the field. And then he also was talking about, it is right now, defenses have not caught up yet with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. They know they know about the the Z and the, and the and the X and then the Y tight end. They they know about that. And they know about the running back back there. Okay, cool. You know, if, if you see that that wide receiver motion, DBs, alert, 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 all that stuff. But what happens when you do have that tight end that let's you you said it earlier. Let's say he does line up in the backfield as almost a fullback. When he comes through the line of scrimmage, is he coming through the block? Or is he coming through to not block and run a corner route? You just don't know. And so it's hard to defend in that situation. So that was just more of him explaining to me. And what Richard Sherman was doing was he was explaining to me how tough it is from the defensive side of things. Right. Yes. To to really understand What's going on with that office? And he was trying to explain why it's a mismatch. This is why, with the linebacker position going forward, a lot of a lot of these linebackers in the future are they're looking for Bobby Wagner's, right? Yes. They're looking for, and and I know I don't know if I'm supposed. To, I I got to give this player love, even though he played for Penn State, right? Yeah. But they're looking for the the Micah Parsons. Yep. Right. <laughs> these are the ty- because those are the linebackers that can come downhill and they could cover that fast guy.
1: They yeah. could do both. Yeah. I mean, so you're talking about – I mean, the thing about it is they're going to be looking for guys they haven't – like you just said, they haven't seen before 10 years from now. It's going to be a totally different game. I mean, clearly, you know, especially with the contact rules and things that have been going on. And, you know, it, I mean, it's just crazy how the thing, game is changing. You know, I wanted to ask you uh, before we move on to that next thing. Uh, uh, is G – Do you do you – I'm not getting you to make a prediction, but do you see him becoming a factor for Ohio State this season, just based on what you're hearing and stuff, and, and the feedback you're getting? Do you see him becoming? Uh, because it appears the opening, the, the uh, opportunity is there. If you follow, if you follow my drift,
0: one of the one of the biggest mistakes that um, I look, I don't want to put this on anybody. Let's just put it on myself. Okay. One of the biggest mistakes that I can make to you right now is to predict what my son will do for Ohio State. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That would be, it would be terrible. It would be wrong because I have not, I don't know. I don't know what Coach Ryan Day's plan is. I don't know what Coach Kevin Wilson's plan is. But here's what I do know. And here's what I can guarantee you I can guarantee you that g scott jr will work the hardest that he can to be the best player that he can just recent, this most recent break that they went on he wanted to stay he stayed back and going to the woody every single day not just to work out but to watch film to be better in that case so brother tim yeah. all i can guarantee you is this i guarantee you that he will try to be the best player that that he can be, and I and I think that that's what that's what all this is about, right? Like, yeah. oh. you, you just you 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 gotta you gotta love it, and 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 in that tight end room, you know that tight end room. And yes, we all know that uh, Jeremy Ruckert is the only uh, returning tight end uh, that's taking a snap outside of Cade uh, Stover, but that room, those are some talented guys in that room. So yeah. and right now, my son. If you ask me, my son is behind all of those guys because he's got to come in there. He's the new guy in the room. He's got to come in there and he's got to learn from them and Coach Kevin Wilson.
1: Yeah. Bottom line is make them play you. Meaning, you know, do all the work. You don't know all the answers. Do all the work. Make them play you. That's what you know. A lot of guys. I tell you what. That's what's interesting about Ohio State, though. Gee, I know. I know you keep. I mean. I've, I've covered Ohio State football since 1984. I was around it a lot even before that, you know, when Woody was there and then uh, the start of Earl Bruce and all through Earl Bruce, blah, blah, blah. But my point is uh, I have never seen depth like they've got on the offensive side of the ball ever. As defensive defensive side, you know, some things need to be proven on that side of the ball. Uh, you know, you, we're not talking about that. But, uh, but, I mean, do you see that as a father from – from twenty five hundred miles away, I mean the wide receiver core. You know, yeah, Jameson Williams just left and went to Alabama, which needed a guy to take the top off the defense. Funny how that happens, but I'll I digress. <laughs> uh, the, the, the tight end room, like I just said, with your son added to the tight end room, dude, there is some talent in that room, like you just pointed out. The, white, the offensive line has never had more depth than it has now since I've been covering this team. Uh, and then running back, I think they're loaded at running back. Just need a guy to step up, and you know it. It, it could be Master Tiga third. I think Trevion Henderson is a guy to watch. And it, you got three stalwarts trying to be the starting quarterback. I'm just from afar. What's just your take on the talent your son is immersed in?
0: There's a lot of talent at Ohio State, man. It it is a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, It's a beautiful thing to uh, be a part of. I love, even though I got my Seahawks stuff on right now, but don't worry, it's either Seahawks stuff or Buckeye stuff. You know how dads are, man. That's all I wear is is, is Buckeye stuff. But anyways, um, to watch it from afar, it just says this. Iron sharpens iron, right? And when you start having... And an offense with an expectation like that is crazy. It reminds me of 2013, that season, the Seattle Seahawks in that defensive line room. Right in that defensive line room, you had during that time you had Red Bryant, you had Chris Clemens, you had Brandon Mebane, you had uh, Cliff Averill, you had Michael Bennett, you had uh, you had so many players on d-line like not everybody can play yeah but here's the beauty that d-line that d and i just gave you the d-line i didn't even talk about the legion of boom right i didn't even talk about the linebackers so i saw firsthand what it means when you have as somebody might say oh you have too many guys no 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 there's no such thing as too many that is the beauty because what happens is is when you have a bunch of guys or gals, doesn't matter. When you have a bunch of people all around, you create that competition in every day. Back in 2013, I used to watch those guys. They used to try to beat each other to work every single morning. One guy get there at 4.30, the other guy get there at 5. And, and and there was like this fight to be great, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I see. When I see this offense, and I see this Buckeyes offense, and I see all of the talent, that's a beautiful thing right it's a beautiful thing but I do think I do think offenses in general across the country they're just getting better I mean you just said you've been covering this game the Buckeyes since 1984 and the theme of our interview right now has been that the game is changing let me ask you yeah how much has the game changed you remember I formations and pro sets and twin twin right, twin left yeah Look, look at where we are today Tim yeah
1: Hey, man, when I was coming up back in the uh, I'm 67. But uh, when I first started covering football back in the early 70s, you know, down in Texas, where I was growing up, uh, you know, you ran the wishbone. It was bone left, bone right, counter left, counter right. I mean, you know, there were like six plays, but there were there were four plays in each play. You know what I mean? But it yeah. was like yeah. – but it was – games were over in two hours and 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Now you have <laughs> high school games that last three and a half – high school games last three and a half hours. Yeah. They spread the field. Yeah. They have fun. I mean, Ohio State runs more plays now, I think, than it did back when the clock wasn't running like it runs now. I mean, right on down yeah. the line. It's funny how the coaches get more out of it. They keep rigging that towel, you know, until they get more out of it. I want to say something before we move on. Have you ever seen – I'll never forget when Russell Wilson came with a, with a Wisconsin to Ohio Stadium – I think it was 2011, and uh, jury was out on him a little bit by a lot of people. I remember just watching him warm up, and then the way he played in that game. Ohio State pulled out a win that night, but Russell Wilson was the coolest looking. Everything he did was smooth. You know, it's cool looking customer. You've gotten to watch him play now for years. Uh, how would you describe him? The way I just did. I mean, just and he's totally underrated in a lot of respects. But he has won a Super Bowl. Should have won another one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but just before we move on, I mean, uh, do, you, do you have the same sense when you watch him that I do? Just everything he does is just smooth.
0: So I'll tell you another story. And, I, and some of you guys, I know I do talk a lot and I do tell those stories, but it's a Russell Wilson story. Wait a minute. Let me interrupt you. One- well, that's why I called you. Now go ahead. <laughs> so um, speaking of Russell. So after that year that you saw him in 2011, then we all know the story. In 2012, he gets drafted. He's a third-round draft pick. During that time, they had Matt Flynn, who had just gotten a one-year free agent deal, Seattle Seahawks. So essentially, he's, he's paid to be the starting quarterback. Yep. R- Russell Wilson shows up. And I remember I was out, outside at the time washing cars. And Russell Wilson shows up first day for rookie camp. And he's walking by. He comes over and Introduces. Hey, how you doing? I'm Russell Wilson. He, oh, nice to meet you, man. Yeah. So he goes on in. Well, I didn't really think anything of it. I thought what everybody else thought. But I'll tell you when things got different. Well, Tim, when there's minicamp and right after minicamp, the guys go on a break for about six weeks until training camp. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, in between that time. Most of the players leave, go home, see their families, because when they come back for training camp, they're going to be there for the you know for the season yeah. unless you know bye week. So the time that guys left for mini camp, that entire time between min- that mini camp and that training camp, Russell came to work every single day, did not take off. Yeah, yeah. That's when I thought, hmm. That's different. And so it goes back to what we talked about earlier in the conversation, right? It's the work that you don't see that makes the player cool, calm, and collected. So when you saw the Russell. So did I know that Russell Wilson was going to have the career that he had? I don't think anybody can know that. But I'll tell you what. I always saw that man be the first one in. And I always saw him park in the same parking stall every Single day. Yeah, this is cool. You know why
1: this is cool? Having this conversation, it's because uh, you know you've heard of Larry Fitzgerald, haven't you? <laughs> oh yeah, his, his dad was he a radio, dad? yeah, radio dude <laughs> yeah. in Minnesota. I mean, he was. You know, I remember talking with Russell. I mean, excuse me, Larry, when he was uh, still at Pittsburgh and you know the, his last season, and just one of the nicest, most polite dudes I've ever interviewed talk to me like we had been buddies for like 20 years. You know, I know it came from his right. dad, you know, the little we get to talk to players at Ohio state anymore. I'm sure once we get with G it's going to be like that. You know what I mean? I mean, it's something like yeah. that because I really enjoy this, but I mean, I think you're a reflection of your upbringing and stuff, and I wanted to get back. I just want to pay you a compliment there. Um, but back to what you and I talked about before we came on the air here, so to speak, uh, you know, like you said, uh, first in last out, you know, you heard yeah. about the, uh, yeah. you heard about the, uh, comment about Justin Fields when it seemed like for a month there the idea was chop this guy uh, inch by inch foot by foot chop this guy down before the draft. It seemed to be almost a uh, concerted effort by many people. But uh, sure. when you heard that uh, line that uh, one commentator uh, used, which we won't name his name him, but said he he heard he was a he was one of those uh, last in first out kind of guys. Work ethic was in question. Etc. Uh, you know, I had his dad on my podcast a week ago, Pablo Fields, great guy, just like you. And uh, he just kind of said he just turned off the TV, quit looking at Twitter, quit looking at social media for the next month leading up to the draft because whatever was going to be was going to be, you know, and stuff. But you're a guy, you're in the news talk business and stuff. When you hear somebody go off half cock like that and say something that in essence is the exact opposite of the guy Justin Fields was, I don't know. Just what's your reaction, and what would be, I don't know, your your uh, lesson learned there? What would be your teaching point to the
0: to people who uh, have a have a bent for doing that? Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, for, for, well, first of all, I'm still mad about that, and um, it's hard for me to get over because I know how something that serious is. Yeah. And here's why I'm still upset about that last one in, first one out comment, that easily could have been something that that person could have had vetted. He could have vetted that particular opinion, right? I don't think it is possible that he got that anywhere from the Buckeye coaching staff, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, again, when I saw it, you, you want to talk about Justin Fields and his throwing, you want to talk about the game against Indiana, you want to talk about, uh, with, with Eric, you, you can talk about normal stuff, you can talk about whether it's 40 times, you know, the, the normal stuff that, yeah. that, that that that's used to kind of like, hey, well, let's see what's going on with this player. But when you start talking about someone's work ethic, if that is your talking point, then stay with it. Don't stop. And that's the, another frustrating part of it is that he stopped. He kind of backed off and he wanted to. No, 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 no. You said something that was very profound. Yes. You said something particular that his work ethic, that basically he was the last one in and the first one out. Where did that come from? So I'm not asking him to name his sources, but obviously the source was enough for you to say it. Yeah. So if it was enough for you to say it, then continue. So it is interesting. He's the only one to have that particular opinion. Now, usually where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. In this case, this was a bunch of hot nothing. And so it, it's upsetting. And it's And it's also so I don't want to make this into I'm trying to be careful with my words right now, but there's been a pattern of this. Through sports history especially as it relates to the black quarterback Mm -hmm. and it was hurtful Tim yeah it was hurtful that it continues it was hurtful that yes it happens to be a Buckeye quarterback so yeah there's a little bit of uh, bias here as far as like you know I want so much success for him but to do that part of it was so unfair to that young man and I, I just got to say, outside of being hurtful, I'm still mad about it. I, for some reason, Tim, I can't get over it because it is so far from the truth, yeah. right? And yeah. that's one. one of the things. I mean, you, I don't have to tell you, Tim. Everybody that's listening right now, I'm talking. I'm preaching to the choir yeah. about Justin Fields. Like, you want to say everything else, fine. Don't question that man's work ethic. And and you want to talk about? If correct me if I'm wrong. During a global pandemic, what quarterback was on national TV trying to fight for his team to be able to play? He could have he could have mailed it in. He okay. could have went back home to Georgia and, and ended up being a top 10 pick, top 12 pick either way. Yeah. So to question him after yeah. that, that's hurtful, Tim. Yeah, of
1: course it is, you know. I mean, and here's the thing, G, uh, you know, I just go – Look at the Ohio State-Clemson game. I'm talking about this year's, not last year's. I mean, even last year's, I thought I thought Justin Fields played out of his gourd. But this year, the two top – what I thought were the two top quarterbacks going head-to-head. And granted, it takes, it, it takes, a, it takes a community, right? But uh, it takes a team around you. But not only was he well-prepared for that game, which means he did his homework, not only was he pinpoint accurate with his throwing in that game – the biggest game to that moment of his career, uh, but he took a licking and kept on ticking. So, in my opinion, in one game, yeah, you can look back at that Northwestern game all you want, folks. And you know, you know he's missing his two of his top three receivers for that game. Uh, and, you know, Chris Olave. Oh my goodness! And uh, we all saw how some of the other guys weren't running routes correctly. You know what I mean? Things like that. My point is, you can like take that game. Okay, if you're going, if you're going to lean on that game. Well, tell me about this game over here, where he was, where all was up for grabs, was getting to play for a national championship against the against the quarterback who ended up being taken number one in the draft, and the way you functioned, the way you executed in that game, should have gotten you all kinds of buku points, which would have put the rest anything we would have talked about about Justin Fields from a doubt standpoint. If you follow my drift, I mean, you know, Wilson's biggest game at, at BYU was against Coastal Carolina this year. No offense. Coastal Line was undefeated, but he got beat, you know. But that was that was his toughest competition. Trey Lance played for North Dakota State. They didn't even play this past season, you know. Uh, right. You know, Mac Jones, hey, dude, he put the ball on the money on guys moving really fast. That was very impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, Trevor Lawrence was what he was. But uh, to, to, to sit there and say Justin Fields might have been the fourth or fifth best quarterback in this draft, I'm telling you, it's going to come back to haunt a couple of teams – Maybe the San Francisco 49ers, I do believe, but, you know, I can be wrong. But uh, I wanted to ask you this real quick before we go. Uh, You're a commentator on things. I mean, you know, news talk, et cetera. Have we ever had a stranger 14 months than we have just lived through? And we're still living through some of it. But when you think about everything that happened last year from the COVID to the George Floyd to the everything else in that regard, have you ever – as a you're still a young man i'm an older man i've never seen anything as bizarre as what we just finished 14 months and how did we get through it in your
0: opinion tim i was um i'm gonna be writing a book and a lot of times i get in i'm in my notes well towards the end of 2019 i started to get a little writer's block right yeah i didn't i didn't I didn't know the direction I wanted to go. I knew that there were some things um, that needed to get in there. And so one of the things I thought was, is like, hey, maybe I need to wait until after my son's first year of college football. Maybe that'll kind of help. It'll kind of tweak some things a little bit, kind of get me excited again. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) I had no idea it would be this. So how do we get through it? You know, I think that we're still going through it, right? Yeah. And I think that, um, yes, cases are have gotten better. Um, people, uh, we're not losing lives like we once were, but um, we're still feeling the effects of it. There's some people that are long haulers that are still struggling with this physically. Yeah. There are a lot of people that are still struggling mentally. There are businesses, there is job loss. So we're still getting through it. As for how we've got through it, I think America, I think we're resilient, right? I think yeah. that, um, I think that we, the reason why we are who we are through all of the, the infighting throughout the country, at the end of the day, we wake up, the sun shines, and we try to be better Americans for it. Um, on Thanksgiving of this year was probably the hardest Thanksgiving I've ever had. And it was so because it was during that that time that G junior had COVID. Yeah. And not only did he have COVID, but he was, he was isolated. Right. Yeah. And so I'm 2,500 miles away. My son is back there in Ohio. He's spending Thanksgiving locked away. These are things that you can't even prepare for, right? You can't, you can't prepare for that kind of deal. However, it just makes for a better story. I believe life is all about a story, right? Yeah. It's yeah. the usually the best movies we've ever watched. Him are movies where there's the rise, the fall, and then there's the redemption, right? Yeah. And yeah. and and that's the like the the beauty of it all. In to in particularly watch how the Buckeyes did things and the late start to the season and, and then the COVID outbreak. And we don't know if we miss a game and we don't know if they're going to be able to qualify for the playoffs. And then when they do make the playoffs, then they beat that Clemson, they make it to the national championship game. And it's just, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. So I think that what I've learned and maybe you and those listening right now is I think we better learn how to, except the wins. And what I mean by wins is like, everything could be a win. A dinner with your family, a win. A walk in the park with your significant other, a win, a job promotion, a win. No more of just taking things for granted, brother. So I think that's how we're continuing to make it through. Like, I'm quite sure for you, you've been covering the Buckeyes since 1984. I'm sure you cannot wait to cover this game again with all of those Buckeye fans in the stadium again. Like, yeah. you, 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 you're probably never going to complain about a weight going to the restroom again, <laughs>
1: I guess. You know what, though? I just I just, I just went to a race because I, I covered the Indianapolis 500 last year, you know, there were no fans allowed. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It might as well have been the Mars 500. You understand what I'm saying because yeah. it's the people – that make life special, man. It's the crowd, just the, it's the ambiance that makes college football different that, you know, that was not there last year. You know, yeah. I know you're a big sports fan. I can just tell. And uh, yeah. that's the stuff you really, truly go, man, I hope you never see that again, because yeah, it's the, it's always about celebrating with the guy next to you. You know, I'm talking about if you're a college football fan or it's all about, if you're in the press box, Oh, my God, did you just see that? Did you see that catch? You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, did you see G. Scott yeah. Jr.? That'll be this year. Did you see G. Scott <laughs> Jr. Go over the middle? Of, you know, blah, blah. blah. You know <laughs> what I'm talking about. You're, you're exactly yeah. right. I mean, that's what was missing was the was the collegiality of everything, especially in college football. And, uh, yeah, I hope we do get back to that. And, uh, you know, and I hope – I mean, I had, I had a, a couple of podcasts with uh, several people just talking about, you know, just – the race relations thing, the thing, you know, just everything that blew up this past year was just over the top. Everything was over the top in a in, yeah. in the strangest of ways. And uh, and I just, you know, I just hope you kind of – it's cool now to look back on it like when I had Josh Myers on, you know, former Ohio State Center. And it seemed like it went really fast now that you look back on it. But well, when you were living through all this, it was going, <laughs> what's tomorrow bringing, man? You have no idea. But you're like me, you know, you're ready to celebrate – and move on, right? Uh, what do you think? You think we'll see a semblance of a normality? What's What's your sense out there where you are
0: this coming season? Man, man, um, we need it, Tim. Right? Yeah. Like um, we 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 need it, right? Um yeah. It's all. It, <laughs> it reminds me of when I was on punishment as a kid, Tim. You know what I mean? Yeah. And finally, my mom, dad finally say, okay we're going to let you go. And war, when you just got out, you're like, you know what? I'm going to make, I'm going to take, take advantage of this. I'm going to get the best grades that I can. I'm going to be a better person. So I I believe that going forward, I think there's potential and there's going to be a better tomorrow. Right. And it's better for all of us. And so I equate uh, Buckeye football, college football. I mean, We need that, right? Like we need like, like the Buckeye fans. I mean, come on. I mean, we got family, we got work and then there's Buckeye football, right? We, we need that right there. And so you start thinking about that Thursday night. Not that anybody's paying attention or counting, but that Thursday night game that's coming up September 2nd, is it, or something okay. like that? Yeah, uh, yeah. Against the Minnesota. Against the Minnesota. Yeah, so you start looking forward to that. You start thinking about what you're going to be doing, what you're going to be wearing, what new Buckeye outfit you got going. So it's <laughs> it's just going to be exciting, man.
1: I was going to say, man, they're, they're going almost halfway to your house to play their opening game. You, you're going to be there, right?
0: Nah, you know what, man, I'm going to go ahead and stay, stay on here, man. I'm going to wait and go out to that September 11th game, I believe yeah. it is, and uh, that's against uh, Oregon Ducks at yeah. the shoe. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and wait for that, man. I just – I can't wait to – okay, I got to tell you, that's the one thing that I think that, that I missed out on. Like last year, I'm like, wow. I wanted to see my son play, but to see my son play in like, like we we're talking about, no fans there, it was rough. So I just want to I just want to take that in. I want to take that in at the shoe, full capacity to watch the buckeyes out there on the field. It would be a
1: beautiful thing. Yeah, I was going to say, man, I mean, you didn't – it was freshman year and you didn't get – yeah, wow, that's crazy. (laughs) Hey, gee, this is great, man. You and Ursula must have a pretty good show. Do you all get pretty good ratings? I'm sure you do,
0: right? Yeah, we do. You do, man. And Tim, there's a lot to talk about. Right. So you talk about new news talk. I mean, there's I mean, as soon as I'm done talking to you, I'm getting ready to go show prep for tomorrow right now. So but that's easy. Right. I just pop on all my news affiliates and check out what's going on on the local and national. And we're good to go.
1: G. Scott Senior, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only. I mean, uh, we just hope juniors half as interesting as you are, my man. I really appreciate you coming on the Tim May podcast. All right, appreciate you, sir. It was an interesting conversation, right? Uh, awesome with uh, G Scott Senior. I mean, the thing about it is, like I pointed out, he he hosts a, a, a talk radio a radio talk show every day, so he knows how to talk.
2: <laughs> he's he does, and he's not afraid to voice his opinion, which is you know, has got to know him the, the little yep. that I have. You know, that's you know one of my favorite things about following him on social media or or when he reaches out. I mean, the guy the guy uh, has a great perspective on a lot of different things, very well-rounded, obviously knows football too. And, um, he's, he's fun to fun to have around to follow here.
1: Yeah. And in his perspective though, I want to add this, it's not just him just railing, you know, I mean, he talks to people. I mean, he, he gathers opinions about things and forms his own, own thoughts on them and just, he's not just sitting on a mountaintop somewhere just screaming, you know, and, uh, yeah. that's what I like about him. And, uh, and his Twitter, he's a he's a must follow on Twitter as far as I'm concerned. I, I you know I see his stuff every day and uh, enjoy. Used to enjoy a guy who is not afraid to put his opinions out there, but but you also know they're well founded and well grounded. And that's what a you know that's it's cool to have a guy like that on my on my podcast for sure. And you know the other thing you pointed out as you heard, you know he he has ridiculous respect for Ryan Day, not just as an X's and O's guy, not just as a head coach who leads the team out onto the field on game day but the, the way he leads these guys through their lives as Ohio State football players and especially that was especially true during the during this past year dealing with the pandemic the uh, ups and downs which led to the ups and downs of the big 10 season etc and you know it's funny how the more you talk to these parents the more they really like where their sons are playing football
2: yeah and I think it it came up again last week with what happened, uh, you know, with the therapist. And when we talked about this on Thursday, Wait a minute, wait a minute said, wait. let me interrupt. Massage therapist. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, un, unlicensed now massage therapist. Um, you know, that the way it was handled by Ohio state, when we talked on Thursday, I, you know, I sort of was in that camp of why did, why did you make this public? It could have been embarrassing, you know, to the players and they might not have wanted it. And I, you know, I was still, maybe I didn't know exactly where I was going to come down on that, but uh, in the end, the more I thought about it, the more it seemed like a a stronger reflection of leadership in a way that, uh, well, first of all, you had to have the entire coaching staff and every player in your roster buy into what they were doing to have this investigation. So that tells you, you know, they were listening to those people and trusted that it was going to be handled right. And then in the end result, put it out with, you know, all the documents, all the investigation Um, And the fact that there was nothing there, well, imagine if somebody was nudged in a year or two to look into this case and the way that could have been presented and Ohio State would have been playing catch up to say, hey, there there weren't, you know, criminal situations involved with this. There weren't NCA violations. The fact that they took control of this story from from the start, um, you know, is different than what might have happened or what they may have had to deal with uh, if it was presented if the story was initially presented in a different way that didn't lay out all the facts of criminal charges, licenses being revoked for other reasons, no money, no NCA violations. So I've, that's, that's just another recent example, I guess, Tim, where I think that it's, it's reflective that Ryan Day and Gene Smith and Kevin Wilson or Brian Hartline, if we're just talking, you know, go back to G- They they trust what these people are doing and they, the families are, Pretty happy to have them in Columbus because they they trust what's happening. Hey, uh, let's just jump immediately away from that now.
1: You know, I wanted to ask you this. I mean, you know, you and Bur- you and Jeremy Birmingham, aka Berm, aka as I call him uh, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama. Um, actually, I, I don't think he'll started- like that. One. Actually, I just started calling him that just now. This- don't do it. 10, 12 seconds ago, I started calling him that, but he knows I'm messing. Uh, you guys took that tour of. Uh, through the, through the heart of Texas. I mean, when you look at the, the way – if you were yeah. following – if you had let people follow you on a graph, it was pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> a lot of the places I used to hang out, but I digress. I know you didn't get to Lufkin, did you? Not this time. Yeah. Got real close to it. But the bottom line is they were in spring football drills, right? I mean, yes. uh, I mean people in Ohio don't – I mean, who, Ohio – people in Ohio high school football have no idea what that is and evidently have no interest in having it. But uh, it does allow – it does allow uh, players to advance in terms of their skill level, et cetera, football, and it allows people to come by and see them doing that. Right. I mean, that's, that's the, uh, those are the big two payoffs from that. And it is kind of interesting to be in a state where they do take football a little differently.
2: Yeah. I'm going to guess, Tim, that you probably had that conversation with people in this state for 40 years because you grew up around this where, you know, spring ball is not, a completely new concept to a state that loves it down there. And a lot of others in the South have this, and we're talking about 15 practices and and a spring game, which, you know, maybe doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but, and I hadn't really considered thought, you know, thought about it that much. I know Urban Meyer had talked about the value of that. and Ryan days talked about it. I'm sure that the previous coaches at Ohio state that you covered to some, to some capacity have talked about that. I mean, it's me seeing it last week was really the first time that, it put in perspective, okay, because th- that was a real practice I saw at South Lake Carroll. They they were they were hitting, they were going live. You know, Quinn Ewers is throwing around eleven on eleven. They're installing the whole deal. I mean, it was a normal practice. And so, if you have sixty of those throughout your high school career in Texas, and this Ohio prospect has zero, yeah. I mean, I understand that they want to have well-rounded kids that they want to play multiple sports. So, I asked these coaches in Texas that I talked to like, Oh, well, they're allowed to do track. They can play other sports. You know, we're it's not like that's the only thing you're allowed to do. And and it's a a limited amount of time anyway, like I said, 15 practices. So, you know, I don't fully understand that opposition to it in Ohio. Um, This is the first time I've actually come away thinking, well, that's, that's probably not fair to kids in this state who want to be, you know division one they want to be Buckeyes they want to go to the NFL but even that if they want to be in the Mac like other kids from Texas that may have had comparable ability are getting almost a full year's worth of development that Ohio kids do not and that makes them better prepared to go to the next level and yeah just that's I, I was really surprised by it Tim because I, I knew that it existed but it was hard for me to wrap my mind around how it that translated to the next level.
1: Yeah. Up, I've told people a million times. I'll tell them a million and one, uh, you know, the, the great thing about spring football, the, the the guys who benefit from it most aren't the guys you would think is, is not necessarily Quinn Ewers because he can get his receivers together and go out and run seven on seven type stuff mm-hmm. any day of the week, any time of the week. Uh, but it's the linemen that really benefit, you know, not only from, you know, understanding uh technique better, getting, getting, but, but, growing into their bodies, you know, especially in high school from a freshman to a senior offensive lineman or defensive lineman, you're a totally different looking dude coming out. And those are the guys that that's the part of the game that really benefits uh, from, from spring drills. Not that you need to go out there and hit 24 seven, but I remember, you know, this idea that you can't do more than one sport at one time, uh, Lufkin where I grew up in Lufkin, Texas, uh, had spring ball every year. They even had a spring game. <laughs> you know, it was pretty funny. A lot of people were at the spring game. But, 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 but also, uh, in I think 1970, I think it was 75. Lufkin had or 76. Lufkin had the number one mile relay team uh, in the United States, high school wise. And three of those four guys were on the football team, who were also okay. You know, taking part in the spring drill. So, you know. Yeah. you're fast, you're fast. Number one. That's the number one thing. You know, I I would always like to have been Jesse Owen's track coach. That's what I always say. <laughs> I would have gained fame and fortune, you know. But uh, or Usain Bolt's track coach. Imagine yeah. that. But then past that is, yeah, you're getting to advance also in the, you know, the the really the sport that for the most part can really take you places, uh uh for for linemen, especially. What what's a lineman? You know, he's not probably not playing shortstop, you know, on the baseball. Now, Jim Lachey is probably a great example of, you know, he ran a 100-yard dash for his St. Henry. But So, yeah, you're exactly right. I want to move on, though. What uh, what just taught you something that maybe you haven't revealed or didn't re- talk a, a lot about real quickly on that little tour you and Berm took that just stands out with you right now? From It doesn't even necessarily have to be football. Something you saw, something you experienced. I know I want you to get me a, a photo of you and him with fake beards on in front of Green Hall. They're in Green, <laughs> Texas, G-R-U-E-N-E, because ZZ Top, you know, that's where, you know, that's not where they're from, but they gained a lot of fame from playing that uh, that uh, dance hall, et cetera. But uh, give me a, give me a one example of something you really enjoyed.
2: Yeah, it's, well, it's always cool to, I mean, my parents have been living in uh, Green. We've been going there, I guess, maybe for 15 years or so. And yeah, it used to be a kind of a once a year situation. We'd, we found that you know, Memorial Day weekend and float float the Guadalupe River and go see uh, concerts at Green Hall and see Roger Crager and, uh, you know, a bunch of our favorite, you know, what well, became our favorite Texas country bands. And uh, my parents loved it so much they wanted to retire and live there. And so I, I always will take any opportunity to go there and to, you know, have Berm, you know, maybe see that briefly and experience that was pretty cool for me because I, I, I think everybody should. It's just such a cool uh, place to be. But beyond that, uh, you know, as I was previewing, previewing that trip with you last week, just thinking about, you know, being on the road at all um, and yeah. you know, the differences in the, you know, most places down there, did, we didn't have to put on the masks, but, um, and, and then obviously the CDC is changing things as we speak, but, I uh, you know, businesses still had it. Pe- people were respectful where it needed to be going out to a football practice and seeing that live and not having to wear a mask was great felt normal you know traveling around you know as I said when we were in Virginia and North Carolina to see Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor was like the last time that we were allowed you know to go across state lines and do that for a while so uh, I think just the opportunity for um, you know Berm and I to go do this again like normal like a normal year uh, I think last week just kind of that was the other than getting the shot, which is my, just a personal thing, I think collectively seeing the world starting to do normal things yep, kind of, kind of was, you know, meaningful, I think, because I still two weeks ago, somebody sent a question of the day. So what do you think the odds are of a full house in the horseshoe uh, in the weeks, you know, week two against Oregon? And I, I thought, well, I don't know. It's still things, seems like it's going to be 50% or big 10 might restrict it. I, I was not ready to say it's going to be a hundred thousand again. Uh, and you look now at what's happening in the first week of June and plans for the reds and the Indians and, and, you know, F, FC Cincinnati or the crew or whatever else. I mean, I, I think that's going to happen now. I do, I and, do. I, and I think that that's, that's exciting. Cause I guess I just, I was, we've, we've all been so burned by what happened over the last 15 months that you don't want to get put your hope and optimism in the wrong place. Um, So I hey, but you, that, let
1: me interrupt you. Well, yes. What if, what if uh, the Big Ten, for some reason, and, and we're talking three and a half months down the road here, uh, but for some reason, still comes up with the idea that you can't have? What if Ohio State said, "Yes, we can," and just decided to do it? What does the Big Ten? How does that poker game go? How does that uh, Texas Hold'em game, pardon the pun, Texas Hold'em game go from that point? Meaning. What do you do with your, your most influential, your most well-known, recognized, your most potent college football program? What do you say then if you're the Big Ten? Well, I, it, isn't it about time somebody flexed their muscles?
2: Or as I, Dean Wormer said, it's about time somebody put their foot down and their foot is me in yeah. Animal House? You Yeah. <laughs> you and I live here. We know how many people would say that that program needs to be and can only be Ohio State and that they – you know, yeah. don't need the Big Ten. We don't need to go back and have all those conversations. Right, from but poverty. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that what's more likely to happen in this case, if they <laughs> if they have another showdown, Ohio State, I think, is going to say we need to do this and we're going to do this. And I think the Big Ten recognized that when they shifted gears in spring. We I mean, look yep. at Nebraska's attendance for the spring game. They deferred to local state authorities for the that was really the first time that they did so because they went through all of last year. They, they didn't change their mind. You know, there was, there were some people in Indianapolis, but uh, not many, not as many as they could have had. I think that they are they've recognized that a conference wide policy is doing damage to programs that, you know, need to fund, not only their own program, but help drive the wagon for the entire league, uh, namely Ohio state, but uh, certainly not exclusive to them when, Penn State or Nebraska or Michigan, you know, can put that many people in there and draw eyeballs on television. So I think that I don't think that that's going to happen this time around. I think that will be up to uh, local local restrictions regulations. In which case, yeah Ohio's probably not going to have any in two weeks. Yeah, I just think if they let if
1: they only let like sixty thousand in for the Oregon game. Just think of the the ticket resale oh. market, what that's going to be. Yeah. I'm talking about September, what is that, 9th or whatever it is, or 11th. Anyway, uh, uh, get the dates mixed up in my head. Uh, But anyway, bottom line is, uh, just think, well, unless there's a massive upset in Minnesota uh, the week and a half before, (laughs) which I don't see coming. Uh, Real quick, uh, before we go, I I told you I was going to ask you this before we started. Your top five or six nationally coming out of spring, from what you're hearing, I'll give you mine. It may they may be exactly the same, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you first shrift since you're even though you're my co-pilot, you're still my sort of my guess on this flight, even though I rely on you to land the plane if I become incapacitated, which could happen any second now. <laughs> Your top five or six nationally, I'll give you mine and we'll move on.
2: Yeah. Well, I think you wanted me to say what I thought the the rankings would look like, right? Because
1: yeah, here's what well, wait, let me, let me, yeah. The reason I want to – I'm going to preface why I brought this up because the, the interesting thing about college football – I'm not going to say the nice thing, the great thing about college football. The interesting <laughs> thing about college football is is if you are in the top five at the beginning of the year, someone has to leapfrog you in terms of politically uh, being more attractive than you are as much as anything else as long as you all are both undefeated. Yeah. So anybody who says the the polls don't matter – they do matter. Uh, that's, you know, the, the uh, field for the college football playoff is set by a political uh, body known as the, you know, the playoff committee selection committee. It is in final analysis, a poll, a vote. So it does matter
2: where you start now. Go ahead. Yeah. So I think the way that it, cause my, if I had to file a ballot right now, it would be different than what I think the actual national rankings would be. I think that's the point you're making. Alabama is going to be number one um, because they, they've earned the benefit of the doubt and the brand and people aren't even going to bat an eye about the, the number of players they've lost because they have a bunch of, you know, four and five stars waiting in the wings, just like Ohio state. Those are the two best programs in the country. And they know who their quarterback
1: is and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, you know, in yeah. you know
2: it, and that's also funny because it's not like, you know, it's going to be held against Ohio State in this poll. That is also your point. Yes, that there's uncertainty about the quarterback. Well, you know, we've only seen one one and a half games out of Clemson with the backup at DJ Ungalala. It's and easy for you to say, but go ahead. Not, not easy for me to say. And we've seen practically nothing at Alabama, even though we know who their starter is going to be. So you know, they're they're going to be treated differently, and that's fine. If if I was casting it, I would I would still leave the reigning national champions at number one, and I would have Ohio State at number two. The way I think that this will work out when the rankings come this the summer, whenever the first ones are released, I think Alabama will be number one. I think Oklahoma will be number two. Um, boosted primarily because of the more established quarterback and, and the respect that people have for Spencer Rattler, which might be a little bit exaggerated at this point, but um, you know, Oklahoma's also proven they're the class of that conference. I expect that... Clemson will be probably coming in at number three based on the reputation, again, of that quarterback. I think they the voters will have Georgia at four and Ohio State at five. I think putting Georgia ahead of Ohio State is pretty laughable. Honestly, I think the same yep. about Clemson and Oklahoma. But um, I, I, I think that that's how the vote will play out.
1: Okay. You know, when I look at it, I've got – I'm you know, I'm not going to go through my explanations of everything why. Uh, Alabama, then I have Clemson then I have Oklahoma, then I have Ohio State number four, then I have USC or Oregon number five because I really – that that game, uh, the second week of the season, Ohio State, Oregon is going to set a lot of dominoes in motion one way or the other, uh, headed toward uh, the uh, second week or first weekend of December. I think it's the first weekend of December. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I refuse to put two teams from the same conference in my top five. You know, just because uh, – and I know Georgia's going to get a lot of run with JT Daniels, you know, their quarterback. Well, you know, we saw what that did for them last year. Florida's going to be very strong. But I refuse to put two teams from the same conference, at least in my preseason top five for that very reason. Uh, but uh, the interesting thing about the Ohio State situation, you watch the spring game just like I did – you keep your ear to the ground just like I do. We got to see a little bit of practice, a couple of practices, too, during the spring. I think any one of those three quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller third, or uh, Kyle McCord, can, can produce big numbers for this Ohio State offense. My big question mark coming out of spring, and it's still there, is defensively is Ohio State going to be up to snuff? The problem is that's not going to come to bear probably until either the semifinal or the finals of the college football playoff. If you follow my drift, I think they can outscore everybody in the big 10 if they have to, Oregon is not going to have a great defense. They're going to be pretty good, but you see what I'm saying? We're not going to know really about Ohio state until it gets to that point of the season. That's the interesting thing about college football compared to the NFL too, is, you know, you play like competition, more often than not in the NFL, you don't in college football. But uh, so Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State and USC or Oregon. I think USC's prime. But, you know, another team to keep your eye on and, you know, this is Cincinnati, you know, because there's a lot of buzz for Cincinnati right now. A lot of people thought they got kind of short shrifted last year and stuff. And if uh, Luke and his group and uh, the Fighting
2: Fickles can run the table again, you know, what do you think? I mean, that's. That that's going to be very interesting, right? Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have a strong case, and then they, you know, maybe if they'd finished that deal, uh, you know, in the were they in the Peach Bowl? Is that the game that they yeah, were in? Yeah. Trying it seems like a, a, so long ago. If they if they'd held on to that one, maybe I would have further enhanced that case to say, "Hey, we beat the team you sent on us last time. We're ready for a bigger challenge," because you know they're going to be the class of their league, hands down. Uh, you know that defense is going to be salty even without Marcus Freeman there anymore yep. get a get a quarterback established veteran quarterback for one more year um, they've got a lot of pieces there they're hey i can tell you for sure there's nobody in that top 5 or top 8 that you named that wants to play cincinnati i can promise you that i don't know that they how many they would beat um if they had to play them all in a row probably not a lot of them but uh for one or two weeks and a chance at them i wouldn't i wouldn't sign up for that if I was, you know, if I was in uh, Clemson or uh, with uncertainty, that wouldn't be the defense that I wanted to face. Well, ladies and
1: gentlemen, that's Awesome Ward. I'm Tim May, and I'm glad to see Awesome Ward and Berm, uh complete their great their trip to the great state of Texas with no injuries uh, incurred. And you know, by the way, uh, you know, everybody knows I, I was born in Alabama, eleven years, eleven years, moved to Texas, lived there eleven years, and have lived in Ohio since then. Since I was 22, I'm now 67. You can, anybody could do the math. Uh, that's not even an ACT question, but you know why I love living in Ohio? Cause I can step out the back door of my house right here where I live out west of, out west of Columbus, out west of Hilliard. And, uh, most times I don't have to worry about stepping on a snake, you know, <laughs> and I hate snakes, man. Yeah. And as much as I love visiting your great state of Texas, i never like being there. Never liked to be in there in May, June, July, August, September, uh, in my hometown where it was like 95 degrees. Or hotter every damn day. That I was going to say a bad word. That stunk. Uh, You agree, don't you? Awesome. You know, for a couple of Wyoming, my man. I mean, everything's downhill from Wyoming, as I like to say.
2: Yeah, it's not. uh, It's not my favorite climate, and uh, I'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah, but hey, tubing on the Guadalupe River on a nice uh, hot day. Now that's that's a different matter altogether. But you can't do that 24-7 is the point. Everybody can't go tubing 24-7. That's right. I'll, leave her, I'll leave everybody with that thought. But for Awesome Ward, this is Tim May. This is the end of another Tim May podcast. I appreciate you folks listening, and we'll see you with a new one next week. Thank you very much. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?